You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Let's go to the Bible chapter 15 of Luke. And that's where we're going to stay tonight. So please, as we go to the Bible, as we go to the different scriptures, stay there in Luke 15. That's the chapter that we're going to be reading tonight. So as we go, uh, let's jump in, okay? Luke 15, the Bible says, Many dishonest and tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gather around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious, religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumble or complain, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them, and welcomes them all to come to him. In response, Jesus gave them this illustration. As you are right now, please just bow your head, close your eyes. And as we read this scripture, jump with me to the word of God, okay? As we do this, you guys like that. I like to put myself there in the Bible and imagine different things. So we're gonna do that tonight, okay? As you are with your eyes closed and you uh, head out, let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. Father, I just pray for your church. I pray for the God that you talk to us, that you direct us. And Father, right now we are in your hands. I recognize, Father God, that I need you. And it's you, Father God, who has a message for your church. I pray that you use me for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we read all these scriptures, just family, imagine with me, okay? We are inside the scripture, okay? We are in this story. So we just read the first three verses of Luke 15. The Bible says that around Jesus, it was a lot of people who sinned, right? Sinners, people who did bad things. So that's the circle around Jesus. And in a distance, far away, the religious and the Pharisees were looking at him. And as they were talking, saying, look at this guy around sinners, right? And Jesus responds to that. So with that in mind, let's go and see what Luke 15 is about. In the first parable that we read in Luke 15, we found the lost sheep. Most of us, we are related to the story, right? The lost sheep, we have a shepherd. He goes and looks for it. He founds her. He brings brings the sheep back. A celebration happened. And Jesus said, it will be more happy the day that one sinner come back to heaven and receive salvation. The next story, right? We go to the lost coin. We found a woman looking for money. Nothing weird to see right here, right? So we have this lady looking for her coin. I'm not saying anything. (laughs) Baby, don't look at me like that. We have this lady looking for her coin, looking for her money. And Jesus said, this lady will go crazy, clean their whole house. For the first time, she will be, what's happening right now? Anyways, she will be taking care of the house uh, stuff, and she will find that coin back. She will call her friends, and they will throw a big fiesta. By the way, women, if you haven't registered yet for the Tea Inspired coming up, please do. It's going to be fun, okay? So she found, she found that. A big celebration happened, and we're going to go and start seeing what all this message is about. The lost son. The prodigal. I titled this Prodigal, the message of tonight. So let's go to Luke 15, chapter 15, verse 11. Now Jesus is talking, and Jesus said, Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons, 
And church family, as we are reading all this for the first time, just as we are in the public, remember, we are there with Jesus, as Jesus is telling all these stories. Imagine the faces and imagine the people around Jesus that for the first time they heard that they were loved by God. Imagine all their lives they heard a message, God rejects you. God doesn't love you. You're not part of the tribe of God. You're not part of heaven. You're not part of God's people. All their lives, they grew up hearing this message. Gentiles and people away from God, away from Israel, right? And for the first time, imagine for the first time, Jesus comes and said, I'm here because I love you. Because you were once lost. But I'm here looking for you. Imagine the faces of the people that they heard for the first time that God loves them. Imagine the faces of the people that for the first time they believed that God was looking for them. Imagine those faces as we are jumping to this scripture. Imagine the love, the tears that they heard for the first time, or the things that they saw for the first time. God was looking for them. Mercy, right? Mercy of God on them. So just imagine with me as we go through all this. We're going to jump now to verse 12. This father, he has two sons. And the younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your state that belongs to me? Church family right right here, the son is telling his father, you know what? I wish you were death. Technically, right? I wish you were death. Why? Because I don't want you. I want your money. And listen, it's way too different. Que te pasa calabaza and that what's up, pumpkin? It's a lot of difference right there. The son is not asking for money. He's not just coming to the father and saying, can I borrow some money? Can you help me out? No, he's saying, give me what belongs to me. And that only happened when the father passed away. So the son is telling his father, I wish you were dead. Why? Because I want you money, but I don't want you. I want what you have, but I don't want you. And the Greek, Greek word right there for state, it's bios, vida, life. Do you guys remember when God promised to Abraham, I will give you this land in the Old Testament to Jacob and to Israel? I will give you this land for you to possess, for you to have it, for you to have. Church family, the people of Israel were so attached to their land that whenever someone sold that and gave it away like nothing, that's one of the words that they still have over there in the East, the Middle West, over there. They're still fighting over the land. They're so related to the land that when the son came to the father and said, give me my piece of land that belongs to me. I want to sell it. How many business persons we have here? I like to do business all the time. If I see something, I'm like, okay, let's do it. That's business right there. If you want to sell something fast, how do you sell it? Through Facebook, no. (laughs) Cheap. You don't ask for the whole money that you want. If you want to sell something fast, you will be like, give me $20 right now. I will sell it. I will give it to you. Take it. Right? So that's what the son did. He receives the land that the father gave him. And he sells sheep. And he goes away. And we know the rest of the story, right? He goes away. He starts spending all the money. But I I want you to imagine with me. I grew up in a Mexican household. If I go to my father and said, Give me the share of the state that belongs to me. 
I wish you were dead. I want your money. I want this house. Get out of here. Give me the house where you are living, right? My father would just look at me, and I will close my eyes, and I will be in the floor. <laughs> right? How many of you guys will do the same, right? But this father goes to and share, the Bible says, that the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance in chapter 15, verse 12. And what he did right here, church family, he broke his life apart because the land was so related to him that he felt that he was, it was part of his life that he broke that apart and gave the part that belongs to the young son and the other part to the big brother. Let's keep going. As we know the story, the son goes and spends all the money in reckless living. He is feeding some pigs, and it's there when he realizes, you know what? It's time for me to go back home. Chapter 15, verse 18. The Bible says, I want to go back home to my father's house. I want to go back home, and I would like to stop right there. How many of you guys left your hometown? Let me see. How many of you guys have left hometown? Wow, that's a lot. I thought most of you guys were from Roswell. I left my hometown as well when I was 18 years old. And when I left my hometown, this kind of hum homesick grew up in me. Have you guys felt that? Have you guys felt like, man, I miss my home, my hometown. I miss being with my mom. I miss being, having like a nice cooked meal. I went to Bible school when I was 18 years old, living by myself, doing my own laundry, cooking food on my own, and I was like, mama, <laughs> right? So I was missing home, but in my mind, the idea of home was way better than it really was. The streets were cleaner in my mind. The food was better. The friendship was even greater. But when, every time that I used to go back home, I was like, man, this is not how I thought home was. Have you guys have that feeling? Like, man, this is not the same anymore. Somebody said, let me give you a nugget right now. Somebody said that the desire of home inside of us, it's because we are, we're so related to heaven, to the presence of God, that we are always looking for our true home. In the beginning, we were in the presence of God. We were living with him. And that desire is still in us. So we'll never be home. We'll never find our true home. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.11 that we are resident aliens, our foreigners in this world. But one day we will be in our true home with our heavenly father. Amen. So that's what the son says. I want to go back home. I want to go back to my father's house. Let's keep reading in chapter 15, verse 18. I want to go back home to my father's house. And I will say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I will never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Church family, an apology was not sufficient. An apology was not sufficient right here. You also had to make restitution. What he is saying right now, the son is, so I can learn a job and earn a loan to pay you. The debt was big enough for the son to realize that he could not pay off in time. 
He is saying, Father, I know I spent your money. I divide your land. I did all this. I know that I will never be able to pay you off, but allow me to try. Let me try. Church family, an apology right here from the son to the father was not sufficient. He needed to make restitution. If my wife owes me some money, she will pay the money that she owes me. Okay? One way or another, she will pay the money. It's not enough to say, I'm sorry, baby, I spent $100 in this. No, no, no. You will pay that money, right? It's like a story right there. But anyways, that's what happened with the son. It wasn't enough to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I spent all that money. No, he needed to pay him back. And he had that plan. He was like, okay, in my mind it's working out. So I will go back home. I will say sorry. But also I will try to pay him back. I will try to work for him and pay my father the money that I I, grab, I got from him. So the plan was set. He said, you know what? I'm going to start moving in that direction. The Bible continues saying that the young, so the young son set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. A great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. And right here, church family, let me just tell you another story. The fathers, back in the day, they didn't run. It wasn't good for them to run. It was good for kids to run, for women to run, but not for the father. It was not good. It was not good seen by the rules and traditions of the men back in the day. Fathers didn't run, but he did. He was so excited to see his son coming back home, and he started kissing him, giving him a big hug, and the son went to his plan. Father, I have sinned against you. Please. Let me be one of your workers. And the father says, Cállate. <laughs> You're home now, son. You're home now. What the father is saying, church family, is I will never wait for you to pay me off to call you son. What the father is also saying is I will not, you're not going to earn your way back to the family. You're not going to earn your way back to the family. Do you think this to the church today? To some believers today? Sometimes we come to God and we think that we need to do something to earn that right to be called sons, daughters of God. Sometimes we try to do different things for us to be called that way. You don't need to be in church. You don't need to tithe. You don't need to do anything to be called a child of God. You need to receive Jesus. That's grace. That's mercy. You don't have to do anything, right? And the Father says that you don't have to do these things for me to call you my son, my daughter. And the story continues. He asked for the best robe, the ring of sonship, and the best shoes. And right here, church family, let's focus on those three things. Change of clothes, new shoes, and the ring of sonship. Right here, what the father is doing is changing the person, it's changing the whole way how community and people saw her, his son. You know what? What's weird today is that sometimes we want to, and well, let's go to the story. Sometimes, whenever back in the day, when someone was a person who begged for money, who couldn't work, who was sick, 
They needed to wear certain clothing. They needed to be differently from the rest. That's, that was their way to say, you know what, I am sick, I need money, or uh, something happened to me. So the way of the people that they used to live, that they used to uh, dress back in the day was really important. When the father saw him, he was dressed like a, yes, beggar, like a homeless, like a person who didn't have money. When he, the father asked for shoes for his son, the slaves back in the day, they used to be barefoot. They didn't have any shoes. So the father is saying, I'm going to change the way that people see you, son. I'm going to change the clothing that you have. That way people don't think that you're a beggar. That way they know that you are my son. I'm going to give you a ring of sonship, that it's authority that you have in my name to do business. I will seal you with the Holy Spirit. That's the idea that the Father is telling us today for us. The thing is today, we want to be close to the Father, but not allow Him to change our clothes. We want to be close to the Father, but don't receive the new shoes that call us His Son, and we want to be still being slaves of sin and death. Today is time to say, you know what, Father, I come to you. I will allow you to change my clothes, the way that people see me, the way that I even see myself. I will allow you to put me new shoes that calls me, son, I will receive the ring that gives me authority in your name. So that's what the father did to his son. Verse 24. Let's prepare, verse 23. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And church family, whenever you see the other two parables before that one, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, this is the end in the rest of the, on the other two parables. Let's celebrate. That was the end. Jesus said, there will be, it will be even more joy in heaven when one sin comes to the knowledge of salvation. But this right here in chapter 15, verse 24, should be the end of Luke chapter 15. Why? Because that's how the other two stories end. But it's not. It's not the end of the story. It's not the same. Jesus is trying to tell something else, something more deep. And as we are in the story, church family, and Jesus is telling the story of the lost sheep and the lost, lost coin to the, the people around him, I, I imagine Jesus, that he's looking at the people around him. But whenever he goes in verse 25, I see his eyes not in the people around him, not in the sinners, but now he's looking further. He's looking a little bit that way. He's looking a little bit more that way. He's not right here looking at the people around him who were sinners. Now he's looking at the Pharisees. Now he's looking at the people who knows the law. Now he's looking at the elder brother. I told you last time that I, I was here preaching, uh, who was supposed to be looking for the lost son? We have the shepherd looking for the sheep. We have the woman looking for the lost coin, but no one was looking for the lost Brother, who was supposed to be looking for the last brother? The elder brother, the big brother. My big brother is here with us tonight. My brother, right? Raise your hand. That's my big brother. Church family, whenever 
me and my, whenever I was growing up, we only, ha we only have two years of difference. When some kids used to mess with me, and they used to mess with me because you saw the video, right? Who would not mess with that guy right there? I would right now. I'll be like, <laughs> well, whenever kids used to mess with me in school, uh, I used to yell his name with all my strength. Isaiah! I remember one time, let me tell you, I was in the floor and some kids were kicking me, like <clears throat> making me stronger for life. <clears throat> You're going to pay bills. This is nothing. <clears throat> And I remember yelling his name with all my lungs and I was kind of covering my face and I see my brother jumping over me, like kicking with both feet and punching and hitting everyone right there. That was my big brother looking for me, defending me. In one story in the Bible, God told also another big brother, where is your little brother? And he answers, who, I am? who am I? Am I my brother's keeper? And God is saying, yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. And God kind of do something right there in the Old Testament. But right here in the, this story, Luke 15, who was the elder brother? The Pharisees. The people in church, the experts of the law. Those are the ones who were looking, who were supposed to be looking for the little brother. But he is, this is not the case. Right here we see an elder brother as a Pharisee. But thank God, the church today, we, you and I, we don't have that kind of brother. We have Jesus. He is our elder brother. He came to look for us. He came to defend us. He came to offer us salvation. He came not just to another country like the other brother was supposed to do. He came to another war and gave his life. He didn't just pay money for, for us to get back to the family. He paid with his own life. What do you think the older, the older brother, the older brother was mad? Tell me something. What do you think, why he was so mad? Jealousy. When the father came and gave his land, his money to the sons, he gave one third to the little one and two thirds to the big one. That was the law. If you go to the book of Numbers, if you go to the Old Testament, the first five books, you will find a bunch of laws. Well, in the law, it said that the big brother had needed to have double than the little brother. So the little brother had one third, and the big brother had two thirds. If the father welcomes the elder brother, I'm good with numbers. I used to love math, okay? So imagine 33.33333333. That was the third part. That belongs to the younger brother. So he gave that to the son, the little one. But now he comes back. And the father decided to call him son again. And give him a new robe, new shoes, and the ring. Who was the owner of that? Who was in charge or who had authority over that money? Not the father. Because the father gave that to the big brother. So the elder brother is so mad because he's using his money to receive the little brother again. Again, church family, restitution not only say forgiveness, right? He needed to make restitution. He needed to pay back. Forgiveness, church family, is not always free. I will say it again. Forgiveness, it's not free. 
Our big brother paid the price. Our big brother decided not to pay money, but with his own life for us to be called again to the family of God. Our big brother decided to give everything for us to be called again child of God. The big brother is so mad because they're using his money to welcome the little brother again. What the big brother is saying right here in verse 29. Let's go to verse 29. Well, 28. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. Verse 29. The son said, Father, listen. He's like, you don't know nothing. Listen to me. That's the attitude that the older brother has. How many years I have been working like a slave. Remember that the younger brother came barefoot and that was a sign for slavery? Now the big brother who has a ring, who has everything nice, is saying, I am your slave. Performing every duty you have asked as a faithful son and I have never once disobeyed you. But you have never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast and celebrate with my friends like he is doing. The attitude of the older brother, church family, let me talk a little bit about this. What the older brother right here, if it's the Pharisee, if it's the people in church, what he is saying then it's like, look God, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I serve, I do this, I do the other thing. Where are my blessings? Where are the things that you have for me? Look at this sinner. They're being so blessed. They're driving not brand new cars. They're doing this. They're doing that. Where are my blessings? That's the attitude of the older brother. Where are the things that you have for me? Let me tell you something. Let me share with you. Sometimes we think that people right here on stage, they have their whole life figured out, right? Well, I'm not. That's just the truth. I don't know if you know, but I'm only 27 years old. 27 years old, trying to be an adult. It's not fun. I don't want to play anymore. Okay? If it's up somewhere that I can go and say, skip, I don't want to play no more. It's like, mama, no more. I don't want to play no more. Church family, one time, this was a couple weeks ago. One time we went to the emergency room. We got a bill, like, so fancy, so clean. I'm like, wow, they give you water? The most expensive water of my life, man. <laughs> that was Saturday. The next day, we have this wind, crazy wind, attacking our house. You guys know the wind in New Mexico, right? And some of the shingles, nothing came out. Thank God, just the corner on the side, on the front of the house. But the guy said, okay, you, you need a whole new roof. So I was like... Wow, well, give me the money and I will get it done right now. They only gave me like $20. I was like, wow. A week after that, my brand new Ford Explorer, the transmission decided to stop working. So I was like, well, God, where are you? But the attitude that I took in the beginning, it was like, well, God, what's going on? What happened? And in my mind, I was all right wrapped up to say you know what what's going on like all these things are happening right now where are you right and I could have take the attitude of the other brother saying I go to church I tithe I do this I do the other thing and I just needed to pray wait hold my wife's hand and said my one of my good friends from the church told me this and I've been saying every since then 
this shall pass. This shall pass. And I was like, Father, I know you're a good, good father. You will take care of me, and I will keep moving. I will do what is right. I will do what you told me to do. Church family, long story short, we got a brand new transmission for free. God is working out the roof. God is going to work out that bill. The thing is, church family, sometimes we get in that point that we said, well, God, all these things I do for you, and you don't give me nothing. Let me tell you this. If like the elder brother, you believe that God owed you to bless you and help you because you have worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, then Jesus may be your helper, your example, even your inspiration, but he's not your savior. You are serving as your own savior. We all need Jesus, church family. We all need Jesus. And I don't do good things for me to be my own savior. I cannot do anything to please God. I cannot do anything to say, God, well, God, let me twist your arm. I've been good. I've been a good boy. We can't. We cannot do that. He blesses us so much because he, when he sees us, he don't see Sergio right here. He sees Jesus in me, and that's all I need. Let me tell you one story, and we are finishing up right now. One time, Jesus was walking with his disciples they wake up early in the morning and they decide to start walking right this is not in the bible it's just a story that some i read somewhere it's not true okay just deal with me well i don't know anyways jesus wakes all the disciples early in the morning and he tells them tells them you know what pick up a rock and follow me and the disciples are like pick up a rock okay so you see John and Matthew, they just grab a rock and they start following Jesus. But also you see Peter right there. And Peter is like, well, he didn't say how big. So I'm just going to get a tiny little rock, put it in my pocket, and start following him, right? So that's what they do. They start following Jesus. They go and rebuke the devil. You know, deals, Jesus stuff. Once their uh, lunch time came up, he's like, okay, get your rock, put it in your hands, and I will bless it. And all the disciples, they do that. They put the rock, and Peter's like, okay, I will not let them see that because it's a tiny little rock. And Jesus goes like, in my name, amen. And all the rocks turn to bread. And the disciples are like, man, wow. They start eating, and Peter is like, okay. He's just like communion on Sunday, okay. And he eats it. And he's like, man, what was that? And everyone finished their meal. And Jesus tells them again, okay, now pick up a rock and follow me. And all the disciples are like, man, I'm full. All the bread that I ate, I'm going to take the same size uh, rock. They should take another rock. But Peter this time is like, huh, I know how this works. He goes and grabs the biggest rock that he can and he started walking with the disciples and Jesus, man, and he's barely making it, barely, barely. He's like, okay, I can wait. I cannot wait for dinner. Man, it's going to be delicious. And he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. They start rebuking more demons. They go and preach the good news. And dinner time comes. And Jesus tells them, okay, now throw the rock to the river and follow me. Nothing happened. And the disciples are like, okay, Jesus said it. I'm going to throw it. And Peter is like, what happened, Jesus? I carry this stone for miles, and you, where's my bread? And Jesus turns to him and tells him, 
who were you carrying this stone for? For you? Or because I told you? For you? For your own benefit? Or because I said, carry the stone and follow me? Sometimes we think to family, okay, I will do good things and God will bless me. Well, life sometimes does not work like that. That's the truth. That's reality. Life does not work like that sometimes. Why do I do good things then? Why do I follow God? Why do I love him? Not for the blessings, but because he loved me first. And he showed me the way. So much people were looking for Jesus, for the fishes and bread. They were behind Jesus because they were getting fed from him. And there's a nice song, neat song. I don't follow you for the fish or the bread. I follow you because you show me the way to the Father. Let me tell you this one more story. Edmund Clowney says a true, a true story about uh, this soldier that he got lost on the, Viet, Viet, it was the Vietnam War. The family trying to reach to the, all the colonels, all the people in charge, they couldn't find this member of the family. The elder brother decided to take a plane go to Vietnam, be in the jungle, and start looking for his brother. The attitude that he took to look for his brother was so honored that the people in both sides decided to respect him, respect him and give him the time to look for his lost brother. You know how they call him? Just the brother. They call him the brother because he was looking for his little brother who got lost in the Vietnam War. Church family, I don't know what happened in the end. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. If you keep reading this chapter, in verse 31, the father said, My son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours once was dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. What happened in this story, church family? What is the end? Did the family got together again? Well, there's two possible endings for this story. One of them, it's the big brother said, you know what, Father, it's true. This is my brother. Let me go and enter to the joy that you have for him. I repent for my attitude. I will change. Let me go with you. The other ending that we have for this story. It's that the father finished saying these words to him. He turned around, the son, the other son, grab a rock and kill his father. Why do I say this? If the other brother were the Pharisees, they killed Jesus. They killed the father. Why? Because he was showing the way for sinners to come to the knowledge of God. And sometimes, church family, we can do that as well as Christians, as believers. We can get in that place I got there back in the day. I got there that I was so righteous in my own living. I never tried alcohol. I never smoked anything. I never do anything bad. So I thought I was my own savior. I thought I was good enough to receive heaven. I didn't realize that I was a sinner and I needed salvation. I needed Jesus who showed me the way to get to the Father. But sometimes in my attitude... I closed the way to heaven. I closed the way to heaven when I didn't spoke up. 
I closed the way to heaven to some people what I didn't tell them about Jesus. I told, I closed the way to heaven when I said I was a Christian, but I wasn't acting like one. And we can do that as well as Christians, as believers. We can say, I love God, I do this, but if my testimony is not talking about, it's not showing Jesus, church family, the, the non-believers will say, be a Christian? Why for? Look at them, right? So church family, what do you need to do then? After you leave tonight, whenever you go back home, whenever you, we finish saying this, there's a couple of things that you need to do that I need to do as well. The first one and most important is go and look for the lost brothers. Go and look and find them. They're not only your lost brothers, they're also the little brothers of Jesus. Jesus, we were once his enemies and he came and looked for us. And if in earth we are the hands, the lips, the eyes, and the feet of Jesus, we need to be the ones who go and look for the little brothers as Jesus did for us. As you are with your eyes closed and just bow your head right now, we're finishing this message tonight. Our big brother came from heaven looking for us. He was willing not just to pay an amount of money, but he paid with his own life. We needed that kind of big brother. His name is Jesus. And church family, we need to do the same for others. We need to go and offer salvation. If you look to your right or to your left, if you see an empty seat right here in church, there's a space for more people to come to the knowledge of God. Believe me, there's joy in heaven when you bring someone to the knowledge of God. There's joy in heaven. The Father, the angels, they have a big fiesta in heaven whenever you bring someone to the knowledge of Christ. You can be part of it. You can be part of that joy. Man, bring someone to church. Show someone Jesus. Be the testimony of, that someone can see, that someone can read. Be the Bible of the non-believers. The only Bible that they can read is sometimes your life. Be that. Be the light in the darkness. Today, is that, that's the invitation. We need to bring more people to Christ. And church family, if you haven't, believe me, there's joy in it. There's joy in telling people about Jesus. That's our work. That's our job as big brothers, as the church, as the hands and feet and lips of Jesus in earth. But maybe tonight, you're not an elder brother. Maybe tonight you're a young brother that is here looking salvation. God loves you. He came to earth to seek for you, to look for you. And if you're here, this is a place where you can talk to him. Say, Father, I need you in my life. I have sinned against you. Forgive me. And when you do that, an expression of whenever you put your heart on it and you speak with your mouth and you move in that direction, that your actions even start speaking about it, that's when you will experience true salvation. If you haven't today, if you don't know God, if you are far away from him, or even you were close, but you decide to run away, the Father is willing and he's waiting for you with open arms, ready to kiss you. Allow him to change your clothes. Allow him to give you new shoes and put you a ring of sonship. That's the seal of the Holy Spirit. 
Allow him to work in you. Church family, there's no more time. Right now it's not time to be playing church. We'll be playing with God. If you haven't, tonight is the night that you say, you know what, I need God. I need more of him. I need him in my life. I need him to be the change that I need. I will be committed to this time. I will be 100% in for God to start working in me. Everything starts with the prayer. You can start praying today, but you need to mean it with your heart and move with your actions as you pray. So if you haven't prayed tonight, let's pray right now. If you are an elder brother, if you are a big believer of Christ, if you are walking in that direction, pray with us as well. Pray with us and we move in that direction to bring more people. Pray for more people. Bring more people to church. So let's pray right now. Just say with me. Heavenly Father, I'm here today and I recognize I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Please, Father, forgive me because I have sinned. Today, I recognize that you paid the price that salvation wasn't free. Jesus, you paid the price for me and I'm so thankful Today, I recognize you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me, guide me, teach me. I belong to you. I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, family. We'll see you all Sunday. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.